Welcome to the All About You podcast. My name is Sheila and I am your host. In this podcast, I invite people to tell their stories of their travels, hobbies and passions. These podcasts are also now available on my All About You YouTube channel. So if you have a story to tell, please contact me on allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story. Welcome to the All About You podcast. My guest today is Pierre and he has spent 43 years travelling around the globe before his retirement. In this episode we are going to talk about how his travelling began as a young man going to sea. Then there will also be a series of mini episodes talking about each of the countries he lived and worked in after his career at sea finished. Pierre, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you for inviting me. And yes, this is about the first uh, part uh, of my global uh, trotting, and that is uh, sailing around the world. So, Pierre, what was your plan then for a future career? Traveling. Uh, I, I like traveling and I did it with my mother, uh, with the family. So, yeah, traveling. So, I went to the um, Sea College and my interest was the salvage industry, that is, the, the, the salvage boats who rescue uh, boats who are uh, in danger. I was very interested in that. And when you were in on Sea College, a lot of companies were offering you visits to their officers and their yards. And one company, Smith International, had such a nice movies about rescuing ships in high seas that I thought, yes, that is my destiny. But my mother... <laughs> said, no, 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 that is nothing for you. You go to a gentleman's shipping company. And that's why I ended up with uh, a merchant navy uh, ship's company called Ocean, Ocean Fleets. Was it quite easy to get a job with the merchant navy? I should imagine you had to be very fit. So was there lots of medicals? Lots lots of medicals. And uh, there was a big demand on seafarers at that time. It was even so that that time in Holland, you had to go to the uh, army for 16 or 18 months. But if you were a seafarer, you were exempted for going in the the army. That was not because I didn't want to go in the army. I was already exempted from the army because uh, I didn't have a father. My father uh, died when I was very early, so then... The sons are accepted for going into the army. So that is beside the point. But uh, yeah, there was a big demand. So I ended up with ocean fleets. Once you've applied for the job, you've passed all the medical, they obviously need to know which ship you're going to and how you can be contacted. Is there some kind of a system where they give you a book or papers? Yeah, there was a, a very rigid uh, system. Uh, you had a monster book. It is uh, in in English. It is called in Dutch. It is monster book. In English, it is called uh, Siemens book. Oh, I much prefer uh, monster book. 
And in that book, every, it is like a passport. Because in the Far East or whenever you went in a, in a port, you didn't need a passport. You had your monster book with you. And in this monster book, you have everything. So all your personal details, all your medical examinations. Every true year, you had to do all the medical tests. And also, all your trips on the ship. So it was all recorded when you entered the ship in which port you got a number, captain had to sign, port agency had to sign. So it was a very rigid system to keep control or keep a system where you went. It also kept a record of all your certificates and diplomas because you had to have certificates for the the lifeboats. You had to be uh, certified to run a lifeboat. You had to have a certification for uh, the fire brigade. So on your leaves, you had to recertify yourself on that kind of uh, stuff. And also your diplomas that was recorded as well in this same book. So, so yeah. you've done all your training, you've got your monster book, and now you're going on your very first boat. Right, perfect. Uh, I started in 1971 uh, as a ship's engineer on the, in the Merchant Navy. Uh, most of the sailing trips uh, were to Southeast Asia, Africa, and the general cargo ships were all around 11,000, 13,000 tons with cargo filled in Europe, Birkenhead, Amsterdam, Antwerp, Hamburg, uh, Rotterdam, and they called it a coastal trip. And once the ship was filled, uh, the deep sea trip started to sail to Indonesia, the Philippines, Singapore, Malaysia, you name it, Hong Kong, Japan, to unload there. And there in the the Far East to start loading the ship. Normally such a trip endured for four or five months. Uh, The last port of call was normally in Ceylon, Sri Lanka, now it is called. And then all the cargo holds were filled with tea. And how did they load it? It was unbelievable. Human beings were carrying the tea boxes on the ship and filling all the cargo holds until everything was full. So it was a very um, long period. It was about a week. So for us, it was a nice time to try the lifeboats because yeah, every trip we have to try the lifeboats on board of the ship and we could visit, sail to all those islands around um, Ceylon. And then, yeah, then we started again on the deep sea trip and it was around the Cape, uh, back to Europe. Why around the Cape? Because uh, that time the Suez Canal was uh, closed. There was the Israeli-Egypt uh, crisis. And that canal was closed for eight years. So all those years, we went around the Cape, back to Europe, and there we were unloading again on the coastal trip in the same ports, Antwerp, uh, Lisbon, Antwerp, 
Hamburg, Birkenhead, Amsterdam. Yeah, so that was five months, five months away uh, from the family. And what was it like living on board a ship for five months? You had a coastal trips in Europe and the Far East, and that was fun because you could go ashore and, and do the shopping in the Far East or making trips. And then between, say, the Far East and Europe, you had this time on board. But the time on board was very organized. There was a makeshift swimming pool. You had your watches because you had to work, of course. <laughs> It wasn't just testing the lifeboats in all these beautiful places. No, no, places. you had to work. And um, you had watches. On board of the ship, you have the 12-4 watch, the 4-8 watch, and the 8-12 watch. So three different watches, and you had to do two similar watches. So if you had the 12-4 watch, it was noon till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And again midnight till four o'clock in the morning. So you had eight hours between the two watches to eat, sleep. We had, as entertainment, we had films, movies. Uh, when you started the trip, yeah, when you saw all the movies were watched at, uh, on board, then on the coastal trips, you could swap the movies with another ship. Lots of things to do. Yeah, the 12 to Four watch was more or less was a nice watch because you went down in the engine room after lunch and you came up and you could go to the bar uh, well after cleaning up then then you could go to the bar dinner the next watch four to eight was a gentleman's watch why gentleman's watch because when you started at four o'clock in the afternoon. At six o'clock, you had there was dinner, so you had to go up. So somebody had to relieve you in the engine room. So instead of working two times four hours, you only worked two times six and a half hours. So somebody else had had to take it over. And then you had the eight twelve watch. That was the dog watch. Why the dog watch? Uh, because you had to replace the person who had to eat uh, at six o'clock in dinner time. So you made you had to make more hours. But of course, during the trip, you were changing watches. So everybody was more or less treated equally. And what about the food on board? I mean, was were you looked after well in respect of the food? Yeah, you have to be careful with, with the food because there was plenty of food. The officers were... European, uh, British and, and Dutch, because the company was more or less a Dutch-British company, Ocean Fleets. But the, the sailors and the cook and the stewards, they were all Chinese, all from Hong Kong. And the cooks, they, they cooked very, very well. So you had to be careful in what you ate. You weren't yeah. putting on too much weight. Yeah, but there was also a possibility to walk around the decks. So on the upper deck, it was possible to make a round. So right, so it was important to do the exercise, A, to keep fit, and B, to keep the pounds off. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I should imagine it was quite good because 
I imagine the chefs would go ashore and pick up local ingredients that you probably wouldn't normally have if you were back in the Netherlands or back in the UK. Yeah, so the, the kitchen was filled, if I can call that. Before you left for the deep sea trip, and once you were in uh, the Far East, it was uh, replenished with fresh food and fruits. And normally that, that were the exotic fruits. Indonesia had very nice food, and also in, in uh, Hong Kong and the Philippines. Yeah, so food was no problem. And uh, during Christmas time and Chinese New Year and New Year time, that was that were special occasions. I did quite some Christmases and New Years on the ship because the company had a gentleman's agreement that if the uh, sa- sailors had a family with children at home, then they tried to fix it in such a way that they could stay at home during Christmas and New Year and the bachelors could replace them during the Christmas and New Year period. And I didn't mind. I wasn't married that time and and the food was good and yes. <laughs> so it all sounds quite civilised. The gentlemen's watch, the food, people with families, they were ashore during the, the festivals and holidays. So yeah, it doesn't sound that bad, does it? No, not at all, not at all. I really liked it. Uh, there was uh, a lot of discipline. You had to wash by yourself your clothes, your boiler suits. You had to iron. You had to clean up your uh, cabin by yourself. And there was a weekly inspection, weekly inspection by the by the captain and the chief engineer. Yeah, the discipline was uh, quite strict. It was quite strict, but I liked it very much. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, the connection, uh, communication with the family at home. Uh, normally, the, the, the company published a list with all the ports to call and the addresses, the postal addresses of those agencies in, in every port. So the family could, could write letters and you could give letters to that agency in every port. So that was a very good uh, communication. Sometimes you had to wait a while for a letter. <laughs> uh, I can remember uh, one time in Holland, there is a custom on the 5th of December that is called Sinterklaas. And during uh, Sinterklaas, well, um, sweets is very important. So my sister made a carton box with all sweets in it and sent it to one of the, the addresses of the agency in the Far East. However, I, I did not get it that year. But a year later, almost a year later, in that, uh, in that same port where my sister sent that parcel, I received that box with sweets. Of course, everything was almost eaten by the cockroaches and the ants, but at least it arrived. Wow, that's an amazing story. So it had obviously been sat in an office or it had been travelling around itself and you actually received it nearly a year later. That's incredible. But the system worked but may not be perfectly all the time. We've talked about life on board the ship. We've talked about communication with the family. 
Now, I remember you telling me a story about a pub you used to go to in Penang in Malaysia. Oh, yeah. This story, I think, is just fantastic. Yeah, Penang. Penang is in Malaysia, near Port Klang. And there is a pub or a bar where all the sailors more or less uh, feasted during their uh, port of call. Because this bar had a trick. It made photos, pictures, when you entered the pub and when you were sitting with your colleagues uh, having a beer. And the walls of that pub were full with albums. And on on the cover of the albums you found the year and then you could open those albums and you could uh, see where your colleagues from from other ships visited Penang and in in my case I saw pictures of my brother because my brother was also sailing and of my cousin my cousin Jan Santema he was uh, sailing on the uh, Holland America cruise ship liner and so I saw pictures of him as well. It was that was very nice. That wasn't so every time when you come in the Far East and the ship was calling Pinang, the first thing what you did was going to that pub. I wonder what's happened to all those albums with those photographs. I would imagine by now that pub is no longer there. But I wonder what happened albums of treasures. Would they be those, those amazing photographs of everybody over the years visiting that pub? Yes. That's oh, I haven't been back uh, to that pub since then, so I don't know. But no. Yeah, there must be thousands of photographs there. Yeah. But this is interesting because this is all pre-internet, all pre-digital technology. You relied, as you say, on the company saying, okay, send letters to your family to this address. You would hopefully pick them up when you were there. And as you say, following family and friends who are also sailing through going to this bar, having your picture taken, and then going through the other albums. I mean, that is just fantastic. True. That was the way out there. There was also on the ship, there was a way of communicating with the family, and it was sending telegrams. I don't know if you remember I that do, time. Yep. Stop, stop. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And this yeah. is the thing, you generally didn't want to receive a telegram because telegrams were often a sign bad of bad news. news. But yeah. Yeah, but with birthdays and with uh, Christmas and New Year, yeah, normally the people, the sailors, sent a small yeah. telegram. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting that going back and talking about how we used to communicate before we're used to all the computers in our pockets now, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's just incredible. Another um, activity in the port was playing football. Normally, every big port has a Siemens mission where you could sit, read, um, that was run by a pastor figure or priest, whatever. But uh, occasionally, they organized football games between teams of other ships, which was fun. That was really fun, yeah. And I guess 
how how old were you when you were sailing on these ships? I mean, you were pretty young, I would have thought. I started when I was uh, 21 years old. Yeah. So there's quite a young age to be sailing around the world, away from your family and friends for long periods of time. Yeah. Well, the deep sea trip was five months. You had a two-to-one leave schedule. So if you sailed two months, you had one month's leave. If you sailed six months, a half year, you got three months' leave. So a deep sea trip and a coastal trip in Europe and in the Far East was normally six, seven months. So yeah, you had uh, three, four months' leave. So you you catch up with your friends and family. I used that time <laughs> in the factory of my mother. My mother had a factory, so as soon as I came home, I had to work in the factory. That was the normal thing. That so time. it was a working holiday for you then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And not paid, because not paid, family no, business. Not paid, family, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about some of these party nights then on board ships. Ah, yeah, yes. That was, normally, they were in, um, in Holland and in um, England, in Birkenhead. The main office, there was an office in Amsterdam, and there was an office, the main office was in Birkenhead. And the, the wall captain, every ship had a wall captain, and of course, the, the normal captain on board. The wall captain organized evenings on a Saturday evening the ladies from the office administration were invited to come on board to have a tour around the ship uh, have a dinner uh, went to the bridge went in the engine room and after that there was uh, music and dancing in, in the lounge this was very well organized so all the ladies had to have permission from their parents or whoever. Uh, they were escorted by people from the office, senior. And there was a time to go again. The police was, was informed, so very formal. And yeah, on one of those occasions, I met a girl out of uh, Bergenhead. And um, later it became my, my wife. Yeah. Ah, oh, so romance blossomed on one yes, of these ships' yes, party nights. Yes, and uh, in the end we married. We went sailing for a complete year. So we had our wedding in, in Birkenhead. After that, we had together a coastal trip, a deep sea trip, a coastal trip back in Europe. So all together it was a year that was one year sailing together. Yeah. And what was it like for your wife then, sailing for a year on board the ship? Were there any other wives there as well? Sometimes, uh, one, two, three, sometimes none. In that case, the, the fa there was a family involved with children or work involved, so it was not all the, all the time possible. But, yeah, occasionally there were... There, wives on board, especially on the coastal trips. On the coastal trips, it was more easy that a wife could join for a week or one and a half weeks on the ship, yeah. 
So it was a good time for you then working on the ships. You were fed well. You went to amazing countries. Yes, definitely the work was hard, difficult, hot sort of environment. Hot, very you hot. you enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it uh, very much. And you talk about hot, yeah, because the ancient room didn't have air conditioning. No, absolutely no. No, there was uh, no forced ven- ventilation. It was natural ventilation to the engine room. So, yeah, when you came from your watch, you were soaked. Yeah, but that was life, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but then, on a certain moment, uh, there was an end to it. The competition with the container ships uh, was too much. So the company decided to sell all the ships and their business. And for me, that was a big shock because I felt secure, I had fun, I liked it. Yeah, so it was a big shock. But I accumulated quite some leave. I had about six, seven months leave outstanding. So enough time to apply for jobs. I applied to 70 Companies that was writing that time, eh? so yeah, yeah, looking for advertisements, job advertisements in the newspaper, and writing. And then I made my choice, and yeah, then I went off. And the company was called uh, Shell Shell International. So the next podcasts are going to be about you traveling around the world, but you are working with Shell. Yes. Okay, so we're going to be uh, continuing to travel, but with the Shell Company and not in the Navy. So, Pierre, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sheila. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please subscribe on whatever platform you are using. It is free. And if you would like to tell your story, please contact me on allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story.